Good morning and welcome to Life Connection, a ministry of First Baptist Church of Joplin. We're glad that you're taking the time to join us this morning as Pastor Jamie shares an uplifting message with us from God's Word. This sermon was recorded from our 1030 service at our downtown location at 633 South Pearl in Joplin, Missouri. But what about a coin? What kind of danger? What kind of harm is a coin in? Let me tell you something, guys. The reason why I think this is so important to talk about, to spend a a significant amount of time on this very crazy point about what kind of harm a coin can be in, is this. When we understand what kind of harm this coin is in, it gives us a broader perspective of God. It gives us a broader perspective of our life and our purpose with him. You see, when Jesus is telling this story, he's using some very specific characters. The woman, this is now not a shepherd, it's a woman that owns the lost coin. And the woman in the story has ten coins, drachmas, silver coins. And the woman in this story, though we don't understand it being over here in our civilization, but if we place this story back in the time frame in which Jesus said, these are not just ten coins. These are not, this is not just pocket change that the woman has. This, this isn't her coin purse doesn't close and she accidentally loses one and, and still has nine. It's not one dime on the floor, but still nine in her coin purse. That, that's not what this story is about. When Jesus is telling this story, he is referring to a specific woman who has specific ten coins. And specifically, in Jesus' time, what that represents was a piece of jewelry, if you will. Oftentimes, it was either worn on the head or sometimes even around the neck. And it always had ten coins. And it was always given specifically or worn specifically by a woman who had just been married. What this is, is not simply ten coins. This is so much more than what we would consider ten dimes. If we put this into context for today, this woman just lost one of the jewels in her wedding ring. Ladies, Have you ever lost one of the stones in your wedding ring? Ladies, have you ever lost your wedding ring? These ten coins were part of a set. They were hooked on a chain. They were worn around the neck or around the head, and they signified that this woman was married. It symbolized that there was no other for her but her husband. This was something that was to be worn proudly. It was to represent her marriage. It was to be a place of honor and recognition on this woman. So when Jesus is talking about this story, he's not just talking about a woman who had ten coins and dropped one. He's talking in essence for us about a woman who lost one of the stones in her wedding ring. And here's the big thing. When I asked you what the harm was for Peter, we all agreed that he could have drowned. Drowning is bad. 
when I asked you what the harm was for Lot? The answer was, well, the harm for Lot is that he's going to be consumed and killed by fire and brimstone falling from the heavens. Guys, file that one under a bad way to die. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what was, the, what was the harm? What was the danger that they were in? Well, they were thrown into an oven, which again, you can file under a very bad way to die. Your neighbor that dies without trusting Jesus Christ as their Savior, they're going to spend an eternity in hell apart from Jesus Christ for all eternity, which you can file under the worst possible existence to ever have. And you see, what's interesting is those first four stories all give us a picture of something that hurts, something that isn't pretty, something that is going to bother us or be painful, something to which we will want to avoid physically. But this one, what's the harm? What's the harm that there's a coin down on the ground Several things are the harm. First one is this. That that coin could be used by another. That coin down on the ground, it was out of place. It wasn't where it was supposed to be. It wasn't where it belonged. And it found itself down on the floor. And anybody could have walked over, found it, and picked it up. And then it would have become the possession of another. So one of the things that is harmful about this coin being down on the ground is unlike the sheep where it could have died and been torn apart, this one could have been picked up and used by another. One in whom did not own it. One who did not appreciate it or deserve it. Guys, the drachmas that were placed around the head, around the neck, were only spent if necessary. They were worn for honor. If someone found that coin down on the ground, they would pick it up and spend it on something else. It would be serving a purpose that it was never intended for. And I want to share with you the second harm. As long as that coin lay down on the floor, it brought some level of shame to the woman who used to wear it on her head. Think about that with me. As long as that coin laid on the floor, it brought some bit of shame and embarrassment to the lady who owned it. Those of you that lost the stone in your ring, for some of you it may not have been long before you tried to find something to replace it. And even if you didn't replace it, you were probably a bit self-conscious of it because if someone saw that there was no stone in there, it would be somewhat of a reflection on you and they would wonder why you didn't replace it or why you have that stone that's missing. And that woman who would wear that headbound with those ten drachmas, those ten silver coins around to miss one would have been some level of dishonor, embarrassment, and shame to her. You see, here's the thing. What if? What if? 
What if one of the, one of the problems with being lost is not just the danger of a very real hellfire existence? That's bad. What if, one of the da- what if one of the harms of being lost is not simply the fact that if I die lost, I'm going to spend eternity forever apart from God. But what if there is a real harm for those that are lost today and it goes beyond even the fact of an eternal existence apart from Him. But what if, by my lostness, I am robbing God of the honor and the glory that is to be His by me living the life that He prepared me and designed me to live. The drachma, that silver coin, had on it an inscription of the ruler. So as it lay down on the floor, it had a face drawn on it of a ruler. In Luke chapter 20, do you remember when they came to get the temple tax from Jesus? And he sent Peter out to go fishing, and Peter brings the fish in and finds the coin. And do you remember Jesus hands it to him and says, whose inscription is on it? And they said, Caesar's. What if a great harm, one that we haven't looked at, goes beyond the physical and spiritual destruction And we started to gauge things and say, you know what, if I'm lost, what if I'm saved and I'm not living for the Lord? What if I'm saved and I'm living just like the world? You know what? I am robbing God of the honor and the glory that he deserves from me reflecting his son Jesus Christ in my life. Guys, that is harm. What if we look not at harm and what it did to us, but how our sin, our life, our decisions affected not just us, but Him. God has a purpose for every one of us. He has a plan. He has a path. And oftentimes we neglect that path. We neglect that purpose. And we start living for us. And we start reflecting ourselves or the world around us rather than giving honor to God and living with the the intention and the purpose for which He has made us. That coin would not be destroyed. That coin would not be melted in fire. That coin would not be submerged under water. That coin would not melt with fervent heat. That coin will not spend an eternity in hell. But that coin, as long as it sat on the floor, was failing to be used for the purpose for which it was intended. You can live a life in this world, and we choose every day who we're going to live for. And I pray that when we look at harm in our life as a Christian or harm in our life as a lost person, we might say, God, it's not just about me. I want to live a life that honors and glorifies you and lives to the potential that you have called for me. God, I want to be the man that you made me to be. How did the sheep or how did the coin get out of place? 
We see the harm. As long as it laid down there, it brought some bit of shame and embarrassment uh, to the woman, no doubt. That's one of the reasons why she is seeking diligently for it because it has value and its value is to be held in unison with all of the others that are with it. But we ask ourselves, how did it get in that place? Peter stepped out on his own. Lot eventually started being drawn more and more and more uh, to Sodom. So we, we understand that there, there's some bit of a responsibility on our part. The sheep wandered. Remember, sheep aren't smart. But the coin fell. The coin really is an inanimate object. And if you think about it, look with me again for just one moment. Look back at our original verse in verse number 8. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? This coin had a bad latch. String broke, maybe. Maybe the fastener wasn't hooked just right. You see, it had no control over its fall. Had no control on where it ended up. Had no control over anything. Because again, we can't see the whole picture from this story. But when we combine all of these stories, as Jesus is showing us different parts of these lost things, we begin to see in light of it a picture of the whole. This coin is inanimate. It can't move. It can't function. Which leads us now beyond the first point of our harm to the second point that everything that is rescued must come to a sense of helplessness. Recognize that it can't rescue itself. So, if it's unable to stop its fall, it can't control its direction, what a perfect, perfect picture between the sheep that's not very smart and wanders and goes away and goes its own way and finds itself in danger to this coin who falls off of the headpiece and lands down on a dirty floor. What, between these two, what a beautiful picture or a clear picture it shows of the sinner. That the sinner is unable to stop himself from the fall. You and I, the Bible says, have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us naturally was on a descent further, morally further away from God. We, we might not fall as far as others in the depth of their depravity, but each one of us is falling and we cannot stop that fall apart from a personal saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Sheep wandered because it wasn't very smart. The coin fell because of the law of gravity. Just as gravity affects every one of us, sin also affects every one of us, dragging us to a depth of moral depravity further and further and further. You may have fallen further or not as far as others, but the reality is all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Even though this coin could not stop its rate of fall, could not determine where it wanted to go. It also was unable, helpless, to get back to the place of its original position. Guys, we cannot save ourselves. Each one of us is helpless in the sense of our redemption. John chapter 6 Jesus says, no one can come to me 
unless the Father who sent me draws him. Think about that for a minute. No one can come to me except the Father which sent me draws him. He goes on to say in the next verses that if you hear and you learn and you believe, then you may be saved, but nobody can be saved on their own. In fact, we are so morally deprived, we are so spiritually dead in trespasses and sin, we don't even know that we're lost until God tells us. This coin had no idea that it was even lost because it's inanimate. The same as spiritually, we are all dead. We don't even know we're lost until the Word of God confirms it. The Spirit of God convicts us. The love of God draws us to Him. We cannot be saved apart from the initiation of God. Any reality I have, any, any understanding I have of my lost condition is only because God has communicated it to me through His Word and has stirred my heart to a place where I believe what He says and I respond in faith. How do you like this, guys? This story has made us out to be dumb sheep and dirty coins. God you know, as we joke about that and when we laugh about that, and that's really the picture that the Bible has given us of dumb sheep and dirty coins. And as we talk about the picture that we are dumb sheep and dirty coins, isn't it funny that that shepherd would risk all for that dumb sheep? Isn't it ironic that that woman had 10 she still cared about the one that was lost some of you have heard me tell the story of my miss ann saga by the gauge of some of your laughter you've heard the brief story is i thought my family needed a goat by the way that's usually how good stories start we got a goat it did not work out <laughs> My great Dane and the goat did not see eye to eye. And the goat ran through my fence and ran away. I felt bad for the goat. She wasn't a very smart goat. She would have fit in perfectly. And she ran away. Knowing that my dog had just taken her very to the threshold of her very life, she ran through my fence, off to go find someone that wasn't going to kill her. So I run after her with a handful of food. Like that's going to bring her back. I chased her for over half a mile. She was playing with me. I got as close to about from here to this gym bay and, and she, she would run again and then she'd stop and I would get up to her and she would, she would run again. And there was one moment where there was this hill and, and so a neighbor, it was, it was great. I mean, it was great bonding. I had a neighbor I didn't even know came out to help me catch this goat. And it was like chasing a whitetail. And we go out to catch this goat and she climbs up on the top of this hill. So my neighbor, my new neighbor friend, goes around to the back. And we're determined we're going to catch Miss Ann. And, and he goes to the back, so we know that if I go up the hill and I don't get her, he's going to get her down at the bottom. So we, I climb up this hill, and he says, all right, I'm ready. So I go to get her, and I promise you that that goat stopped, turned around, looked at me, winked, and then jumped right off the top of that hill. 
and landed down on the ground, to which my new neighbor friend was just in awe that this goat just jumped off of this hill right in front of her. So anyway, she left, but I got to the point that I was like, I don't care if a coyote gets you. I don't care if you die out here. I was, I was, I didn't care that I invested $50 in that. I, I was long past the point of care. And I had poison ivy all over my body. I was not pleased. And as I'm walking back to the house with my handful of grain, I'm thinking, God, how much really? You love us so much that I gave up after about an hour chasing this goat. But you are in a relentless pursuit over dumb, lost sheep. I think the thing that hurted me most was I was outperformed and outsmarted by that goat. But in actuality, in actuality, what a picture. I gave up. I didn't care. Dumb goat, go. Get out of here. By the way, I gave the goat back and didn't even care about my $50. I got the goat back. We got, he, she's not at our house anymore. She, she went to a farm that kids and everything, what have you. That's true, too. That's not like what happens when, with your dog when your dog goes to the farm. Sorry. I guess they're still... Sorry. Some people have farms that they take dogs to when they've been bad. Anyway, God is in a relentless pursuit for us. So... We have the harm, we have the helplessness, and then we have the what? Hero, yes, thank you for making me feel as though I've accomplished something over the five weeks. We have a hero, yes. Now look at this, this is the great thing. This is where we really get a picture of God because in this story, just before with the lost sheep, Christ was pictured as the shepherd, leaving the 99, going after that which was lost, throwing all of his resources after this one sheep that was gone. Then we see the woman who has lost the one coin. And now we see her as this picture of God, that God is showing us something in the life of this woman. And notice what she does. She does three things, really four. The first is she lights a candle. I love this. Palestinian homes in this time, of course, were dark. They didn't have switches they could turn off and on. They had to light a candle. So what this is telling me is that it was so dark in there, she was not going to be able to see the coin. So if she was going to see the coin or the inscription of the face on the coin or the shining of the coin, the reflection that it would bring, she had to light a candle. You know, here's the great thing. Do you remember me telling you in John 6, 44, Jesus says, no one comes to me except the, the, my Father which sent me draws him. And then he goes on in the very next verse to say that we must hear, learn, and believe in order to be saved. In the Bible, light is, is, is a picture of several things, but the two most prominent things that the Bible is a picture, or that, that light is a picture of is the Bible and the glory of God. The Bible and the glory of God, the word of God. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And just as this woman brings out the light to search, I, I'm so thankful that God gives his word and that we have his word to be able to look and that his word cuts through the darkness and the sin and the depravity and shows us what truth truly is. Jesus said that men will not come to the light, not, because, not for any other reason, but because their deeds are evil and they love the darkness more than the light in John 3. And what happens is that light comes and exposes and reveals, but there was still a problem. 
just as the Word of God, the truth of God shows, shows us our need of Him, shows us our lost condition, shows us what true moral darkness really is and shines light on it, the second thing she did was get a broom and sweep the floor. It was in a very dark and dirty place. Here's the thing, guys. Even with the light, she had to sweep away the dirt because apparently the dirt of the floor had covered the coin. Could not see the coin because the dirt on the floor had covered it. And it needed to be swept away. It needed to be separated. It needed to be revealed. That, that coin needed to be seen. And you know, oftentimes, we can get so wrapped up in darkness and dirt that before long, people can't even see Jesus in us. There's no positive reflection that magnifies and honors Jesus Christ because before long, we start looking more like the dirt on the floor of the world. Wrapped up in the dirt and the filth of sin. To the point that God brings out a light and broom to sweep and separate the Holy Spirit to reveal our need of Him. And lastly, she searches diligently till she finds Him. She's done everything she could do. Turned on a light, swept away the dirt, and then she begins the search. If this is true, Jesus is saying to those religious elite, Jesus is saying, I'm going into the dark and the dirty places because there's something there that has value. Jesus went to dark and dirty places in his relentless pursuit to bring those coins back to the place of their original possession, where they were supposed to be. He left the 99 to go after the one. Why? To bring it into the sheepfold. To bring it amongst the flock. To bring it back under the protection of the shepherd. Isn't it an awesome thing that Jesus is pictured as a woman who searches diligently for the loss. We have, a he we have harm. The coin was not serving the purpose for which it was created. It brought shame and embarrassment to the woman. It was, not, it was helpless in that it was unable to stop its fall, control its direction, and could not get itself back to its original place. And in steps the hero. You see, here's the great thing, guys. And I want to end on this. When we take all of these stories throughout these last five weeks, each of them says something different about rescue. E each of them says something different. The first one, if you think about it, Peter. Peter was rescued because he asked for it. He knew his situation. Lot was rescued because Abraham prayed for it and God is faithful. The three in the fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were rescued because they believed God could do it. Your neighbor is to be rescued because we share with them because God has commanded. They deserve 
a rescue because God has commanded us to share the truth of the gospel with them. But this last one, this is the great thing. This says nothing about a request being made from the coin. It's inanimate. The, the, the sheep never cried out for the shepherd. The great thing about this rescue is that the only thing that initiated it was the value it had to the woman. The value that coin had to the woman. As a minister of the gospel, it is my privilege to stand up in front of you as a congregation and say that Jesus does not just love you. He so loves you. Your value and worth is by far greater to him than any one in this world. You may be going through this world feeling as though no one cares, that no one loves you, no one's concerned. You may be going through this life feeling that you have very little value as a wife, as a husband, as a child, as a grandmother, or as a human. But I promise you there is one who loves you so much that he sent the greatest possible rescue in the world. He knew you could not save yourself. And to show you your worth, to show you how much he loves me, how much he loves the world, he sent his son Jesus. And right now I believe that God is lighting that light. I believe that God is using His Holy Spirit to sweep across hearts this morning to show us the dirt and the darkness that we have gotten in as lost people in a fall. Or maybe the, loss of the, the, the dirt and the darkness that we're in as Christians. And I pray this morning that we would say, God, today, I recognize You're drawing me to You. I recognize my need of a Savior. If you've never made that decision this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm lost. And that's something we can't come to on our own. God has to reveal that to us through His Word, through the Gospel, through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Say, God, I need You. I'm in desperate need of You. Not just because of hellfire, but because You've created a life and a purpose for me. And I want to live that purpose for all eternity. And this morning, I pray whatever that is. Salvation baptism, rededication, surrender to vocational call on your life. Maybe there are just some things you need to pray with, pray about. Whatever decision God has placed on your heart this morning, will we do it? Will we respond to what we know to be His revealed will through His Word and His specific promptings of us on our heart? And I'm going to ask you to pray with me. And as I ask you to do that, as soon as I say amen, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond this morning. Father, I thank you so much that you love us. I thank you, Lord, that you showed us how much we are worth. And we need not look at our worth and wonder our worth more than looking at the cross. Father, I love a lot of people, but I can't think that I would give my child for them. And Father, you did. We have much more worth than a sheep. We are much more value than a coin. 
And I pray you would burn that truth down into our hearts, the reality of how much we're worth to you, and that that promise, that understanding of that God would bring us to our knees in humility to cry out, thank you, God, for loving us, saving us in our helpless state. And those, Lord, who have decisions to make this morning that they may not go another moment, walking outside of your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand this morning and prepare for God's movement. We hope that this broadcast has been a blessing to you. If you're without a church home, we'd love for you to drop in and visit one of our many weekly services. We offer ministries for every age. For more information regarding the church and the ministries we offer, visit us on the web at fbcjoplin.org. For prayer requests or to receive a free, unedited copy of this sermon, please call the church office at area code 417-624-4585. And thank you for being a part of Life Connection.